Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are in the book of Hebrews, continuing on. In chapter 2 of Hebrews, we read these words, chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, speaking of our Lord, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What a solemn, sobering conversation this is about death. It's a question, are you afraid of death? Now don't get me wrong, I'm afraid of what it's going to be like to go through that death. I, I, I fear pain. You know, I, I can be scared just as anybody can be with the horrors of what we see and feel with this flesh. But when it comes to being on the other side, when this body shuts down and is no longer working, to be absent from the flesh is to be in the presence of the Lord, and that's perfect bliss. And I'm not afraid of that at all. I remember a time when wondering, well, what is that on the other side? Is it what the Indians call it to be? Is it, could, you know, I knew that we would never come back as frogs. I knew there was only one life. And I knew that because only because God gave me that ability to know that. God gave me that knowledge. But still, I wondered and was afraid of what it was. What it, what it, and that's our nature, isn't it? Isn't it our nature to be afraid uh, of what is on the other side of that? Nobody knows. Nobody's come back from it. Nobody's come back and said, oh, I know there's a light on the other side. Yeah, I don't trust people who say that they, that they know those things. But in our nature, we're afraid of those things that we don't know. Romans 8.28 says, and we know. I know what's on the other side now. I know the truth of God's word. And you do too if the Lord has enlightened your hearts to his truth. So I ask the question, are we afraid to die? It's a solemn conversation, sobering. And it's a serious question to ask people. Some may try to avoid it. But I'll tell you right now, no one can. You may suppress it. You may postpone dealing with it. But someday... You're not going to be able to avoid it anymore, and you're going to be looking at it right in the face. Brother Don Fortner wrote this. He says, I have watched a lot of men die, some young and some old, some believers and some infidels, some with no hope at all, some with a false hope, and some with a good hope. I've seen some die in utter terror. I've seen some die with great comfort, some in brazen blasphemy and defiance, and some with peace and with joy. How will it be for you when you come to death's chilly waters? He goes on to say this. He says, I know a good many men and women who do everything they can to avoid visiting a rest home out of fear that that might be what's for them. Some who go out of their way to avoid hospitals or funeral parties because they simply cannot face the fact that they too must soon die. 
Even now the fear of death terrorizes them. And I ask you, writes Don, what Jeremiah asked a long, long time ago. He said, if sickness and death torment you now, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? How will you do when that time comes? Are you afraid to die? It's a reasonable fear if you don't know the Lord. A very reasonable fear. The fear of death comes to natural men, to natural sinful men. And the fact is, if you're without Christ, you've got very good reason to fear. Very good reason to fear. And Scripture tells us that it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, judgment. Soon, you and I must go through that door marked death. A dying man once requested these words to be inscribed on his tombstone. He said, Please view my grave as you pass by, for as you are so, once was I. And as soon and as I am soon, you must be, so make your plans to follow me. Cute little poem to put on your gravestone, huh? This man wanted all who passed by his grave to be reminded of the frailty of life, to be reminded of the certainty of death. Because of our sin and guilt before God, we all must die, but death will not end our existence. One day we all will stand before the holy, just, and righteous God in judgment, and some will reap the exact penalty due for their sin. The infinite, the eternal wrath of God in hell is that penalty. Look over at 2 Corinthians. Hold your place in, well, you, you can go, you don't need to hold, we're not going to come back to Hebrews. Uh, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're talking about the day we go through that door, door marked death. Those who are not in Christ have great reason to fear, and here's why. Look at verses 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that at everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also we are made manifest in your consciousness. One more, if you would, turn over to Revelation Revelation 20. In Revelation chapter 20, we begin reading at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and, the, and, and another book was opened, which is in the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death of hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see there are... Two types of people, even here in the judgment seat. Those whose names were written in the book of life. Well, what is the book of life? The book of life is he who is life. 
It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's those whose names were written on his breastplate. It's those who are names who were carved in the palms of his hand, as it said, engraven in the palms of his hands. It's those for whom he is known as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This second death, the everlasting death of our souls in hell, it is a torturous death that never dies. But we have some hope. We have a hope when we read these words of the second death and we know what we deserve, we know what we've earned, when God has revealed the depth of our sin to us and the penalty of that sin, we have a hope because Scripture tells us two words. You know what those two words that give us great hope? But God. (laughs) But. That means there's something else besides the second death before us. There could be eternal life. What a hope. What a great hope to have. But God. There's a blessed deliverance from this second death. For the believer, things are, are much different. In Hebrews chapter 2, we read in verses 14 and 15, the Holy Spirit tells us that one great purpose of our Savior's incarnation, one great purpose for Him to become flesh, was that He might destroy Satan and deliver His elect from the fear of death. He might deliver you and I from what's the, from the fear of what's in the ever after. Our Lord Jesus came into this world for this very purpose, that He might deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You and I, who were washed in the blood of Christ, living by faith in Him, should have no fear of death now. Certainly, we must not expect to have dying grace until that time comes. We have, we have doubts. That's not what I'm saying here. But God will give us grace when we need it. Isn't that what we talked about in Friday night's Bible study? My grace is sufficient, not just for what we do this moment, but for everything in our lives. And we know that God's grace is sufficient even for that day. We know that His grace was sufficient for Abraham when He told Abraham to take his son to to the mountain and sacrifice his son. His His grace will be sufficient for us too. I can imagine my brother Bill on his Harley Davidson coming down the road and things starting to get real fuzzy before it. I can imagine him thinking, is this my time, Lord? Am I ready? Are you ready to take me home? I know if he was thinking that, there would be a smile on his face. No, we don't fear what's in the ever after. There's two places in the ever after. There's everlasting hell and everlasting bliss in, in, in heaven. If I go to heaven, it's because of God's grace. If I go to hell, it's because I deserve it. It's what I've earned. If I go to heaven, my Lord has taken what I deserve upon himself fully. But God. Christ came not only to deliver us from death, but also from the fear of death. He does so by effectually teaching us the gospel, giving us the blessed confidence of faith in him as our all-sufficient Savior. What is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ in Him crucified. You say, well, that's only two words. Isn't there three things that we're supposed to be looking at? Who He is, what He's done, and where He is? Well, number one, Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He's God Almighty. 
I and my Father are one. Everything between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in complete, perfect tune. Because they are one. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in the Lord Jesus bodily. Knowing that, we know that everything that He did was perfect. Including laying down His life. There you go. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But being God, death could not hold Him. So where is He right now? He's sitting on His throne. He paid the price. When we stand before God Almighty in that day of judgment that we just read about, the Lord will say, Come, thou faithful servant, to those that He has loved from the world. Why? Because they were faithful. His Son was faithful and they were in Him. Christ in Him crucified our substitute. Look over at Jeremiah chapter 31. One verse I want to read for you over there. Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saith Jeremiah, saying to him, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Jeremiah is basically saying these words, but God. All this other stuff that's going on in the flesh that we see with our eyes of the flesh, all the stuff that we think about with this the, 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 the mind of the flesh, but God has loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. Now one more if you would. Turn over to John chapter 10. In verse 7 of John chapter 10, we read, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. This is the gospel. This is the good news to those who have been delivered from darkness. Those who have been had the light of the Son of God shine in their hearts. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. These are words, folks, of assurance to God's people. Assurance that He will not fail His promises. He will not fail what He has said He would do in His Word. He is capable and able to do. Verse 11, He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. That's what we stand upon that day and the day of judgment. Has John Reeves in the flesh done things to deserve hell? Absolutely. But my Lord, what's it say right there? He giveth his life for the sheep. That's our hope. That's our trust. That was the hope of Clay's dad. As I understand, he was under the ministry of uh, Darwin Pruitt there in Arkansas and believed God. He believed his son. What his son preaches up there in Ewing, New Jersey. Everyone that knows the man of, of, of true faith declare that he was, as far as anyone can tell of any man, just like I, as far as I can tell of Bill, or my wife, or any other person of the flesh, as far as I can tell, they believe. They believe that God the Son gave His life, the Good Shepherd giveth His life for the sheep, but he that is a hireling, verse 12, and not the shepherd, whose own 
whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and believe and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scatter the sheep. Verse thirteen: The hireling fleeth because he is not because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the the word of God that comes to his people, his chosen people, his loved, his redeemed, those that he has justified before himself, the just one. This is the good news to us. Those he has loved from before the foundation of the world, they have been judged in the death of God's Son. God's justice for us has been satisfied. In his son, the Lord Jesus. Now, if that's not good news to you, to you, I don't know what could be. I know it's certainly wonderful news to me.